The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, gives us each our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone in debt to us, and do not subject us to the final test. And he said to them, Suppose one of you had a friend to whom he goes at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived at my house from a journey, and I have nothing to offer him. And he says in reply from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children and I are already in bed. I cannot get up to give you anything. I tell you, if he does not give up to get up and give the visitor the loaves because of their friendship, he will get up to give him whatever he needs because of his persistence. And I tell you, ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you would hand his son a snake when he asks for a fish? Or hand him a scorpion when he asks for an egg? If you then, who are wicked, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. The Gospel of the Lord. In her book, Forming Intentional Disciples, Sherry Waddell writes that one of the fundamental challenges we face as a church is the reality that the majority of adult Catholics are not convinced that a personal relationship with God is possible. And if that's the case, 
I think she's somewhat on target. Then how can we take on such a challenge in the life of the church, the life of this parish? I've served for about 10 years in Latin America, five years in Guatemala, and five years in Ecuador, South America, and I currently serve as the chaplain and director of campus ministry at the University of Houston. And I would say she's kind of on target, not just with adults, but with most of us Catholics, that maybe we're not so convinced that it is possible to be in a personal relationship with God himself. Before we engage such a task, I think it's necessary for us and for others to learn what it truly means to be in a personal relationship with God. I mean, I would admit the term relationship is kind of overused. You hear it so much. And do people really know its full import? And especially when it comes to God himself, do we understand what that term signifies? And even more fundamental is to know who God is and how he acts and how he deals with us. In other words, to know and understand Deus Caritas Est. God is love. That's who he is. And we've just listened to three readings from sacred scripture that shine incredible light on this important challenge of what it means to be in a personal relationship with God in Christ. To begin, it's important to recognize God's way of being. He's kind. He's merciful. And our situation before him is his children and as having important needs hopefully, sincere longings of the heart. In other words, it's important to have knowledge of the Lord. And knowledge, I mean honest knowledge of ourselves, our weaknesses and our strengths, our needs and our gifts that we are able to share with others. In the gospel reading today, it's from the 11th chapter of St. Luke. I always tell the college students, that's your homework assignment, not not from the professor, but from Father. you got to read the readings that you hear at Mass so we don't forget them. And in Luke's gospel today, we encounter some principal aspects of this need to be in relationship with God, namely trust. And the need to have trust in God... And before God, especially in prayer, and to believe him as he is, merciful, compassionate. It's obvious in today's gospel reading that Jesus is teaching the disciples and us as well. He's teaching us a prayer, the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer. As he says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Very simple, very direct, but notice it is all built or predicated upon a sense of trust. You're not talking to a stranger when you pray. Jesus reminds us, you're talking to your heavenly Father who cares for us, who cares for you. 
But it's not just a prayer to recite from memory. I hope we all have it memorized. And little kids, if you're in the process of memorizing, be strong, be diligent. Because once you memorize that prayer, you'll never forget it. And what a blessing it is. But it's also a lesson from Jesus on what should be our disposition before God. And that we must have the confidence to ask of God as our Heavenly Father what we truly need of Him. What do we need? Mercy. Pardon. And His divine providence. Because He will provide what we truly need and what we he, he sees that we are lacking. So there you have it. Words of a prayer and a disposition or attitude or posture before God. That of trust. That of being like children. And in the second reading, we hear from St. Paul in his letter to the Colossians. And he calls us to consider something that involves us profoundly. Our participation in the death and resurrection of Christ by way of our baptism. However, we're not speaking about a temporary participation, nor only a human action or experience, but we're talking about, and this is the significance of baptism, a permanent union with God through Jesus Christ. And his desire that we be included in his paschal mystery. That is to say, his passion, death, and resurrection. That's what baptism means in its most core sense. We participate, as Paul reminds us, in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's his invitation. That's relationship. He's doing the inviting. He waits for a response. And keep moving in backwards almost. Interestingly enough, we have an example of a very close and tender relationship between God and humanity, but in ancient times, in the person of the great patriarch Abraham, our forefather in faith. And it's almost a reading that will make you laugh to yourself in a holy manner, of course, as we see Abraham getting into a discussion with God. And in Abraham, we have an example of a relationship with God that is so close that Abraham dares to enter into a negotiation with God himself over the fate of Sodom and Gomorrah, even to the point where Abraham advocates for the inhabitants of those cities. He's saying, 50, well, make it 45, make it 40. Brings God down to 10. You've got to be in close relationship with the Lord to engage in the negotiation with him like that. But instead of this negotiation being like putting God to the test, it's not it. Abraham demonstrates Great confidence in God and knowledge of God that lets him trust in God's mercy and at the same time guard a deep respect and holy fear 
of his heavenly father. He knows what God, his father, can do. He knows God's about to say, I've had it with the inhabitants of these sinful cities. They're done. Abraham knows. That's very clear. He has a deep fear of God, a deep respect of his heavenly father. But he also knows that God is merciful. And that's the open door he has in this relationship to engage God Most High, to be kind. Abraham discovers that in God, mercy prevails over justice. And that's a key element of our faith. In addition, Abraham acts out of love for his neighbor. When he pleads for the lives of the people of those two condemned cities... Keep in mind that Abraham and his brother Lot did not have a lot of liking for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. They were sinful and mean. So they didn't think much of them probably. But Abraham had a love of neighbor and God recognized that and credited to him as his faith and righteousness. Because Abraham is there negotiating, you can say, on behalf of those two condemned cities, not out of liking but out of a love of neighbor. And God recognizes that and places great value on such things. Today's scripture readings from the gospel, the New Testament epistles, and the Old Testament, they each provide distinct ways to enter into relationship with God and how to make it real in our world and in our lives. It's the recognition of who God is and what he is like and who we are before him, his children. It's the invitation to enter into union with God by way of our participation in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which happens in our baptism. Yes, most of us were like me, infants, when we were baptized but we must return and renew our baptismal commitments because that sealed us with a permanent bond with Christ in his death and resurrection. And confirmation comes along and seals us and brings that to completion once again with the gift of the Holy Spirit. So you want to wonder about, are we in uh, relationship with God? Well, God has no doubt about that. The doubts emanate from our own minds. And beginning with the faith of our parents and those who cared for us in our baptism which we receive, the process of relationship begins and continues. And then as Abraham shows us, when it comes to be in relationship with God, it's important to be in relationship with other people and that is called love of neighbor. But maybe it's a time to pause for brief reflection. As I mentioned at the beginning, the term relationship is used so much, perhaps it's lost its import and its power and meaning. In our day and age, you read about it so much, and it might even be difficult in your minds to apply that term to God. How can we, meager creatures, human beings, being in a, re- be in a relationship with God, most high, almighty, all-powerful, but all-merciful? And the answer is Jesus. He's the answer. He's the reason. He's the cause for this relationship. But notice... 
in each and every instance and in each of these readings. It is the Lord God who takes the initiative. Friends, that's the secret to understanding what it means to be in a personal relationship with God in Christ. The initiative is taken. The first step is God's, not ours. The relationship, even the possibility of it, is first and foremost God's desire. His will. The fruit of His mercy and loving kindness. It all makes sense when we let God love and forgive us. And we accept his blessings with gratitude. It all becomes authentic and visible when others sense that God is real by our willingness to love and be merciful. Christ makes closeness to God abundantly clear in words, actions, and in his body and blood. Even though he's done more than enough to make a relationship with him possible, the good news is that he will never stop. Gathered in faith before God our Heavenly Father, Let us express our trust to him by offering our petitions and asking God to unite them with the cry of the church throughout the world. So first and foremost, let us pray for the well-being of our church throughout the world, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ who are in lands and areas of the world where there is persecution and violence for cause of the faith that they might be strengthened in their martyrdom and witness, and we might be inspired by their example, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For our Holy Father, Pope Francis, for his safety, health, and protection. For our local shepherd, Bishop Luis Raphael, for his well-being as he guides us in the path of Christ, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer and for the well-being of our country, ours as a nation richly blessed. May our political and business leaders be more mindful of the needs of the poor and those who suffer, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For a greater respect of the gift of human life and dignity, especially for the defense of the unborn, those with disabilities, those who suffer illness or other difficulties, in body, mind, or spirit, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for the needs of this parish, may the growth you have witnessed over the years continue to be a sign of faith and conversion for our community, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For all the sick, especially those we have promised to pray for, for those who are agonizing in hospitals, nursing homes, or institutions, and for those who in their time of suffering and need feel abandoned, 
that they might be strengthened by our prayers and outreach to them and be touched by God's healing care in Christ, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for all the needs and special intentions and petitions you carry in the silence of your hearts, that God may accept them as a worthy spiritual offering and grant them according to his will, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. 